Well, we are really grateful today and we're really blessed to have um, Pastor Laban Jumba joining us from Uganda. Um, I first met Laban in 2017 while I was in Kampala. It was, uh, I believe, really a divine appointment um, to be able to meet with him. I was with a good friend, Peter Serukera, and um, um, some other folks from Favor Ministries in uh, northern Uganda. And so it was a real honor to meet him. And then we had Laban uh, come to visit us um, in the States several times, and he shared at a number of conferences that we, we did here, which was a tremendous blessing. And I'm really excited that Edward invited him um, to share with us this time. So Edward, is there anything else you'd like to say in introduction before we, um, we turn it over to Laban? All right, well, Laban, uh, it's, no, go no. ahead, Edward. Uh, not really, uh, you've, you've said it at least for, for now. Good, good. Well, Laban, we're really honored to um, have you with us. Um, you know, we're grateful. Uh, we we just recognize you as a real father in the prayer movement in Uganda and um, really around the world. So we're grateful to have you sharing with us today. And um, without anything else, I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Great to see you again. Amen. Well, greetings in Jesus' name. Um, I really feel honored to be able to share with you in this uh, international conference. Um, just in case I'm not coming through, please, um, you know, shout uh, so I can, uh, you know, maybe adjust. But otherwise, uh, greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to begin with a testimony of what happened in the year 2012. Uh, we celebrated our independence as a country, that is Uganda. Uh, in the year 2012, we made uh, 50 years, uh, which was our golden jubilee as uh, nation independent from the British uh, rule, which we, you know, we got our original independence from uh, Britain in 1962. So 2012, we made uh, 50 years. Now at that time, many people requested me to teach on Jubilee. Now, Jubilee is a concept from the scriptures uh, but I want to confess, I didn't know very much, um, you know, regarding Jubilee, apart from the fact that it's 50 years uh, celebration. And uh, so I did study because people, you know, expected me to share. Uh, so I did study in the scriptures and I prayed. Now, I discovered many concepts from the, the scriptures, the way God intended Israel as a nation uh, to go for the population to go back to their original inheritance. Uh, you know, if during the course of the years they had sold their family property, the year of Jubilee meant they went back into their property. Now, as I studied the concept of Jubilee, 
I came across the fact that God has put cycles in nature. There is the daily cycle, day and night. There is the weekly cycle which he commanded into being. That's the, uh, the week. We have the week of work and then weekend. Then there is monthly cycle, which is governed by the moon. And then there is the annual cycle. Um, now, those are the four cycles we normally uh, talk about. But then when you look in the scriptures, I discover there is another cycle, the fifth cycle of uh, uh, seven years of, you know, which I call the sabbatical of years. And uh, during the, in the scriptures, God commanded that every seven years you release slaves and uh, you release debtors. And uh, so I discovered that cycle of seven years was so key um, that God put it in the scriptures for the nation of Israel. And yet for us, we haven't been thinking much about it. And then after that, we get the fifth, uh, the sixth cycle, uh, which is the cycle of 50 years. So we have the daily cycle, weekly cycle, annual, monthly cycle, annual cycle, then sabbatical cycle of seven years, then the jubilee cycle, 49 years, plus the year of jubilee, making it 50 years. Now, the reason I'm giving this testimony is what happened when we we're praying. I, re I realized when we make five-year plans, it doesn't agree with God's cycle. Um, you know, it, it, it's like every five years, you miss out on the other two years, which make the seven-year cycle. So I decided to begin making seven-year plans instead of five-year plans. So at the end of that year, 2012, our year of Jubilee in Uganda as a nation, I asked the Lord, what is your plan for us for the next seven years? And at that time, the story of Joseph came to mind. And very clearly in prayer, the Lord spoke to me, you are going to experience like Egypt experienced and the, you know, the, the Middle East world, uh, Middle East Eastern world. You're going to experience seven years of plenty. Now I said, well, wow, this is beautiful. After celebrating Jubilee, is God saying we're going to have the next seven years as years of plenty, economic plenty, social plenty, and plenty in every way. And I felt the conviction God was saying, yes, there are going to be seven years of plenty. What about the following years? Now we're talking of 2013 to 2019. And the word came to me clearly, it will be followed, the seven years of plenty will be followed by seven years of drought. Now I began to share with the you know, church and meetings and so on. And uh, eventually I wrote a book, I called it uh, Jubilee and Fruitfulness. And in it, I put a whole section regarding the seven years following Jubilee. And I called it uh, Africa's season of Jubilee. This is because most of the nations in Africa had their political independence around the same time. And uh, then I, the subtitle I put here and the fruitfulness of the following seven years. Now, looking back, 
And for Ugandans, they understand this. Those years of 2013 to 2019 were indeed years of plenty. Um, we got, it was like the nation got a facelift. Uh, the city of Kampala was, um, you know, transformed. And uh, uh, then the, you know, people, businesses expanded, our shopping, little shopping, little shops were turned into big shopping malls. And uh, then even churches, churches built, you know, big cathedrals, they got radio stations and TV stations and so on. There was a lot of economic plenty during the seven years of 2013 to 2019. Now true to the word of God, that the prophetic word, we came to the end of 2019 and I said, Lord, now what about the next seven years? And the word was clear. You are entering seven years of drought. And true to the word, <coughs> immediately we, get into, we got into 2020. We began the seven years of drought. Now, when you give a word like this, and we're experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, a person may say, maybe you first saw <laughs> the pandemic, you know, on the horizon, and you began talking of seven years of difficulties. But the fact that the Lord led me to write a whole book and the details put in of what would happen in the seven years of plenty, and then afterwards followed by seven years of drought, it really impacted me as I thought about the way God leads by the Holy Spirit. Now, why did I give this testimony? I want to give this testimony. I wanted to give this testimony because of the story of Joseph and it relates to what our brothers just shared in the session we've just ended, the word of restoration. Joseph in Egypt, talked about the seven years of plenty and the nations around Egypt, you know, the Egypt and the surrounding nations went through that period of plenty. And God led Joseph to prepare for the seven years of plenty. Now, when the seven years of drought began, something very interesting happened. Joseph took advantage of the seven years of drought to begin to change the systems of Egypt. Now, as long as the families had plenty of food during the time of plenty, uh, you couldn't do very much in terms of changing the systems of Egypt. But when the drought began, Joseph began to change everything. And I'll just mention what happened in the third year. The first year, people brought all their money and uh, to, you know, to buy food and uh, they run out of uh, resources, they run out of money. So the monetary system basically collapsed. And then the second year, uh, they brought all their livestock to Joseph and uh, he gave them food in return. And then the third year, they brought all their land titles. They came to Joseph and said, we don't want to hide it from you. We don't have food. What do we do? Our money has failed and all our livestock has got exhausted. Now, what do we do? He told them, you bring all your lands in our 
they would say, bring all your land titles. And he gathered, he, he moved the people who lived on that land into living quarters, which the Bible calls cities. Now, this reset, let me use the word reset, which Joseph carried out during the time of economic drought, during the time of you know, drought, the Lord began to speak to me as we entered deeper into what is happening globally. Uh, much of this happened last year and a bit of the, the early part of this year. God began to speak to me that Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ and that Egypt is a type of the world. And that during this time of drought, economic drought and drought in everywhere, social drought and so on, instead of focusing on the issues of COVID-19, the Lord actually wants to take advantage of the situation. He wants to take advantage of the drought, the economic drought, the social drought, the drought in every area of human endeavor. God wants to take advantage of it like Joseph did in Egypt to change the systems of Egypt and establish foundations for his kingdom to rule in the affairs of men. Now, this is very important. I want us to look at a few scriptures. I want us to look at the scripture in the book of, uh, in the book of Mass, in the, uh, in, in the book of Acts of the Apostles, uh, when Peter was preaching, I'll just quote it because all of us know. It talks about Jesus, whom heaven must contain or whom heaven must receive until the time of the restoration of all things. I'll read from chapter 3 of the book of Acts and verse 19 to 21. Peter speaking. Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. That clause, whom heaven must receive, until the times of restoration of all things. The two scriptures which emphatically, clearly spell out what will be taking place globally before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. One was from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end shall come. Meaning, when you see the gospel of the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom preached in all the world as a witness to the nations, then we'll know the end is about to come. The other one is from Peter in Acts 3, 19 to 21. And it says, Jesus will be held in heaven, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. Meaning before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, there will be a period of restoration of all things, restoration of all things. And this is what the previous speaker was talking about, restoration, period of restoration. Now, why am I connecting it to the period of drought? I believe 
we are living in very exciting days as the church of the living God. We're living at the time when the Lord wants to restore his church, not to what we had in the book of Acts necessarily, but God's original vision for the church and Acts experience is only part of it because the revelation of the fullness of the, the, the dream or the vision which God had for his church, there are many details, uh, there are many details uh, which come from the Old Testament and many others which come from the New Testament and all of them in the final drama of history, God is going to bring together in a climax, which is going to impress the whole world. Because God intends the church to be the solution in every area of human endeavor. Now, there are two scriptures which we've read many times. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be raised above all the mountains and nations shall flow to it. Now, this has two fulfillments, one in Israel and the nation, Jewish nation, and uh, the other one is the fulfillment uh, through the church, and it's repeated in the book of Micah. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be exalted above the mountains, meaning we are entering days in which the mountain of God's house shall be higher than Mount China. It shall be higher than Mount Western world. It shall be higher than the superpowers. People are fearing the, you know, world one, one world government, you know, establishment, which is pushing its way and establishing a global agenda in the days in which we live. Look, we are focusing on the wrong thing. They are taking advantage of the global pandemic, uh, which I am calling the uh, the, the drought, uh, the circumstances which have created drought uh, in the nations of the world. They're trying to take advantage of the difficulties the world is experiencing in order to establish an economic and social reset. Did you know the Lord Jesus Christ wants to use the same? In fact, he's the one uh, who has allowed the whole drama of what has gone on the last one and a half years to establish so that he can cut out a reset of his church, to establish it in a way that Isaiah chapter two and Micah chapter four can be fulfilled, where everybody else tries out things and they don't work. And God brings out his glory through the church. So what I'm seeing for the next few years and in my case, I believe God has spoken to me. I believe God has spoken that we're going to experience. I believe that God has spoken to us. God has spoken to me that from the year 2020 to the year 2016, seven years, they are going to be very exciting years. Years in which the globalists are trying to take advantage of the drought situation in the world. But the Lord, who is all-powerful, is going to use the situation to reset his church. 
And I'm saying this is, this is the best, these are the best years for us in the church as we look forwards. I want to just conclude by saying something again about spiritual warfare. It's very interesting as I listened to the speaker before, um, before me, there's so many little details which were agreeing, you know, which were touching what I was going to share. Now, I want to focus a little bit on Elijah. Elijah is talked, up, is talked about in the scriptures as the prophet of restoration. And we learn in the scriptures that prophecies were coming that before Jesus Christ comes, Elijah will be sent first to restore all things. Now, when you look at the Northern Kingdom of Israel during those kingdom days, it was established by Jeroboam and it was established on a foundation of idolatry. Those golden calves established in, the, in Bethel and in Dan are uh, in the north. And it comes through all those chapters as a chorus, the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he caused Israel to sin. It was the worship of those, God, those idols. And then after approximately 70 years, we come to the time of King Ahab, who, go, who does worse than all the kings who came before him. And in his days, he married Jezebel and, he imp and she imported bow worship into the nation. So we had the local idolatry established by Jeroboam, uh, idolatry made in Israel, if I can call it that. And then we had the imported idolatry from Sidon brought in by Jezebel. Now, nobody had turned around the situation of the Northern Kingdom for almost 70 years. If you count the lengths of time, when those, the lengths of time those kings ruled, it comes to approximately 70 years when uh, King Ahab came in. And it was prophet Elijah who moved in and successfully after prayer for three and a half years, God used him for the first time the whole population shouted out that the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah, how did he accomplish this? There are battles that he fought. I've been studying Elijah and I won't go into details this time. But there are many powerful warfare lessons that I've learned from him. The first one was prayer camping. He camped at the brook Cherith and he prayed for about half of the time he was, you know, half of the time of the three and a half years. And then he moved and camped in Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon, where the bow worship originated from. And he camped there for the rest of the time. Now, prayer camping is the concept of banking our prayer incense in prayer banks and you add on every day until after three and a half years or whatever period God has led you, you now have a big deposit. Now, which means when Elijah finally came out to confront the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he had a very big deposit of prayer which had been established through prayer camping. And this is one of the concepts. There are many other concepts that I've learned from Elijah, and I won't go into them because our time is uh, really up. Now, which means if we're going to have a turnaround in the nations of the world, 
and a restoration of the church is going to have, to, we are going to have to engage in Elijah type prayer warfare. Now, I want to pray that the Lord helps us to learn lessons from this sense of word like Elijah and to plug into the Holy Spirit so that God's intent, intention of resetting the church into his original vision, which he had, can be realized. And when he does this, Isaac will be fulfilled. It will come to pass in the latter day it's that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as chief of the mountains. It will be higher than the superpower nations. It will be higher than all the global forces which are seeking to change things in the world. It will be so high that all nations will begin to realize the answers are in the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And the church will have risen to such a level and display such glory in the world that the world has never seen. God bless you. God bless you.